This is my time. Good morning. <laughs> so, uh, digging in, going for a nice ride. Oh, speaking of ride, uh, let me show you how I started the morning. There you go. We're going to keep that down so YouTube doesn't slap me on the wrist. But um, so figure that shift out is uh, where I really got coached. <laughs> I got so much help. So I got put on the path that I knew was for me. Um, but what I love about this is Chris speaks in metaphors and analogies, which is the way my brain works. I'm like, oh, story. Cool. Yes, I like stories. I will grab my carpet square, <laughs> my juice box, my snacks, tell me a story. And begins by relating life as a stick shift car and the difficulty of learning a stick shift and how um, I know my experience of that. I had a friend that was very gracious with his Ford Mustang and letting me grind it till you find it. Uh, that sweet spot between releasing the, the clutch and giving it the gas to find a smooth transition of the, the right amount of force, the right amount of go. Um, and just enough stay, just enough go to make it flow. I was like, okay, it was hard enough on flat ground with other people especially their trusted possession. Um, but yeah, Chris says, uh, if you're driving a stick shift, you can shift straight into second gear on a flat surface. The same is true in life. You can start out on the smooth stretches of life going straight into second gear. It works. Unfortunately, when you hit the hills of life, the hard times in the complex situations, you may have a lot of success around you, but on the inside, you know something is off. Or maybe you don't have those indicators of success around you, and you feel discouraged when all the hard work you've put into a relationship or job isn't enough. You have to downshift into your identity to save wear and tear on the brakes and... Uh, this first chapter is, is really talking about reframing and going into your identity and understanding your identity. Um, and I just I couldn't believe it when I turned the page into chapter two of Rob Dial's highly anticipated book. Uh, it's appropriate that it's gold because it's just nuggets on nuggets on nuggets. Chapter two, boom. Identity. Oh, man. 
it's uh, it's incredible. I love this quote by Alan Watts. You are under no obligation to be the person you were five minutes ago. <laughs> and just like this car analogy, you're you're constantly moving. You're on a destination. You're going somewhere. There's a point A. There's a point point B. And there's a journey in between. Um, that's what we need to understand is point A for us is first breath. Point B, last breath. Everything in between is the journey. Everyone gets so focused on goals, reaching goals, like they're the destination. No, 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 no. Fulfillment of your potential is the des- the is the ultimate goal. Um, being who you want to be is the ultimate goal. Being proud of what you did with the journey that you took is the ultimate goal. Uh, I love this. It's kind of like here's your roadmap. Identity leads into actions. Actions lead to results, and results. Lead back to your identity. Everything becomes this circle. Boom, 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 boom. So this is like your GPS. It's just constantly recalculating and recalibrating and always updating. Your identity is refreshed by your actions. And then your actions refresh your results. And your results refresh your identity. And it's constantly, here's V2, V3. B4, B5, just constantly updating. Um, This is probably my favorite part, is Rob talks about the song that gets stuck in your head. And he says, you you can also think of the story that you tell yourself as a song that you hear in the morning that gets stuck in your head and you wind up hearing it all day. Well, you can change that song. Change the song in your head at any moment. But most people don't. And they listen to the same song over and over. It's not necessarily the song you want to listen to. You might even hate it or parts of it. But it's stuck there. And you're used to it. So it almost feels comfortable. Most people who are miserable don't want to be miserable. But they're used to the misery and are so comfortable they put themselves back into that misery every day just to be with that song that's familiar and what I what this reminded me of is when I first started in the production company that I'm with I was in the, the field broadcast team and they made it a point to say, hey, we don't put you on shoots. And, and I was like, I was an intern. Uh, even the unpaid internship when I was still in college. So at that point, I was like a grip. Uh, I was the boom audio guy. And it, they literally told me, it's up to you to get on shoots. It's up, the, the DP, the director of photography, they choose who they want on their shoots. And they can decline who they want. I was like, oh, okay. So it's not whether 
you're available. It's not whether you have the skills or the talent. It's whether they want to be around you. It's whether they want to be on set with you for 12, 14, 16 hours a day. It's whether they want to sit in a van with you for an hour, three, four hours and just shoot the breeze with you because you are going to be a part of their song for the day, stuck in their head. Are you a song that is uplifting or are you a song that is droning and, and, uh, and dark and ominous? So this is a this was a quick study for me of oh I want to be on shoots. What melody or what harmony can I be to that DP? What harmony can I be to this DP? And how do I harmonize with that DP so that I can be in the van, so that I can be on set, so that I can be most utilized and uh, and give myself the most opportunities. And I was very successful at staying busy and getting on lots of shoots. And this is something that I think we need to take a little bit deeper is, are you comfortable in the van with yourself? For those one hour rides, those two hour rides, those four hour rides. If you're stuck with yourself on set for a 12 hour day, are you comfortable with yourself? And I think for a lot of us, we are our own worst enemy. We don't even like ourselves a lot of the times. Because we're always comparing ourselves to who we think we're supposed to be or what we think others expect us to be. So we're judging who, literally who we were a moment ago, which is gone, done, over. And we get so caught up in the who we were just a second ago or a day ago week, month, year, decade ago, decades ago, that we forget that we can be who we want to be right now. Like, right now. <laughs> this Charles Horton Cooley quote, he's an American psych sociologist from the early 20th century. He said, I am not who you think I am. I am not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and Rob said, read that, read that one again. Uh, because it's a statement that helps capture the complexity of identity. I am not who you think I am. I am not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. And this thought, not so brilliantly, started to permeate in my brain when I first got my dog. 
a dog that was actually mine, ours, uh, to, and if you're a dog lover, a dog owner, you understand that a dog doesn't know all of the things that you are judging about yourself. They don't know if you messed up at work. They don't care. They think that you are the bee's knees. <laughs> they think that you're everything because you are. To them, you are the king. You are the queen. You are love. You are comfort. You are joy. You, they've been looking forward to just being with you for every moment that they weren't with you. When you look, zoom out and you look back and say, oh, I just need to be the fulfillment of what my dog thinks I am. You actually start to be a better version of yourself. And then I had kids. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I need to amp this up. I need to be the parent that they not only think that I am, but need me to become. I was like, oh, okay, okay. There's no, there's no room, there's no time for judging myself for lack of achievements or doing things incorrectly or not fulfilling the way I'd like to. I don't, there's no time. Because my kids move like this. My kids' needs are like this. So my growth needs to be faster, needs to be ahead of that. So if uh, it kind of took me back to when I was right out of high school, I was a welder and a fabricator. So I was in this little fab shop and got to the point where we had gone from like six people down to like two it was me and then this uh this other engineer who did a lot of the machining and then i did a lot of the the i did all the welding and uh, um and then we had our foreman well our foreman was a former army sergeant just <laughs> No nonsense told you it, like it was exactly what he thought. And here I am this, oh, I think I was, I was 17 when I graduated. And per, mostly passive, <laughs> don't like confrontation. So to non-confrontational, quiet, slightly introverted kid, drill sergeant. So um, we were a match made in heaven. It was great. And we, just from the amount of respect I gave him and my work ethic, I earned his respect. And we had this unique relationship, this mentor-mentee relationship, this father-son type of relationship. And it developed to the point that he invited me on a weekend to go on a ride on his 
Goldwing. If you're not a motorcycle enthusiast, it's like the Cadillac of motorcycles. And for me, this was such a big deal because it was a passion of his. He had his his group of guys and, and their wives that would go out riding and and <laughs> and I, I hate to even like gender it that way, but that's just kind of the way it was because they were just an older group and that's just the way it kind of was that it was the guys that would have their wives and they would go out, they would ride out into the country, they would have a lunch and they would ride back. And so I met him at his house and I couldn't have been more feminine because I showed up in shorts and sandals and he ripped me <laughs> because I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a motorcycle guy. I mean, don't let the, the mustache fool you. Like I'm not, I'm just not butch. <laughs> and after he, he ripped me up and down for not having proper leg coverings, not, you know, jeans, pants would be great, closed-toed shoes would be great, you know, in case we fell, <laughs> if we put the bike down. But I trusted him so much that that didn't even occur to me. But the thing that really stuck was he was telling me, because I'd never rode on a motorcycle before, he was telling me, all right, when we go into the turns, you don't have to lean. You don't have to correct. Just look where we're, where we're going. Just look where we want to go. If the turn is going to the right, look past the turn. Look through the turn ahead and where your eyes go, your body's gonna follow. And then when we go to the left, just look to the left and your body is gonna naturally follow to the degree of the turn. If it's a big turn and you really gotta look, you're gonna, your body's naturally gonna flow with the turn, with the curve. So, Going back to, and it, and it just worked. It was effortless. I didn't have to think about it. I could just enjoy the ride. I could enjoy nature, which is what I was there for. Just be present in the moment and appreciate everything and just follow the path ahead of us. And Chris has this great story about going whitewater rafting and talks about the the first day that him and his friend were going they kept every time they went up to a rapid they would get up to the rocks they would lean away from it you know that's our natural reaction oh an obstacle oh I need to slow down I need to analyze uh, ooh fear fear is telling me that I need to pause. I need to um, be extra cautious and aware. And it was here that he said the outfitter was getting upset because 
their canoe was getting so much damage because they kept taking on water and it was just rough. So the, the outfitter got in their boat, positioned themselves in the center, got their center of gravity really low, and said, every time you come to the rocks, your instinct is going to be to lean away from them. When you lean away, the water shoots into the boat and causes it to flip. Tomorrow, every time you come to a rock, lean towards it. So then the next day, Chris and his friend heeded the advice, resisted their instincts, and instead of leaning away from what they were dreading, they would yell to each other, lean in, lean in, lean in, every time they approached a rock. And then when they leaned in, they would shoot past the rapids with precision. They would follow the flow of the water around the obstacles and get past those rocky places. Chris so brilliantly says, what you're not paying attention to or leaning into is getting in your way. It's why you commit self-sabotaging behavior and why you can't form deep connections with people. This is also the reason why you can't lead your team. Man, so I thought this was uh, pretty great that these kind of came together at the same time that I was reading both of them. Um, But I just wanted to encourage you to calibrate your GPS, update your maps, Update your playlist. <laughs> if you don't like the song on the radio, change it. it. Just, this is, you only get one shot at this journey. Make it the best. Make it the road trip of a lifetime because it's your lifetime. Make it a blast. Enjoy the ride. Be well. I will see you on the ride. Nine, paid on my dues, waited in line, eight, seven, now it's about time that I take my six, five, king of the jungle, heart of a lion, four, three, two, one, watch out, here I come, this is my time.